Hello. Hey, Anthony. Check, check. Uno, dos, tres. Oh, he's a broadcaster. All right. <laughs> Perfect. I need you to trust me and our guest this week, Anthony Pasquale, because he's a novice. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode nine of Trust Me, I'm a Novice, the podcast about connections. We are talking science, psychology, spirituality, and about ourselves. I am your host, Sammy St. Ledger. Today, the format is a little bit different. We're doing it more of a two-parter because we, as you can see, have another interview and it is our first guy on the podcast. So I'm excited. What is coming up on the show today? The entire show is dedicated to one topic as opposed to three, but is split into more or less two parts. We first have my own recount and everything that I have learned about this topic. And second, we are sitting down for an interview. Today, we are talking about why men need to show their emotions and why we need to support them when they do. We're going to drop right into things and get going because I want to give some of my own insight that inspired this interview today, but I didn't think I could do it without the help of another person. That being said, this is Trust Me, I'm a Novice. I am Sammy St. Ledger. Trust me, trust yourself, trust our guest today, Anthony Pasquale, and trust the process because we are getting started. topic is something I have been an advocate for thinking about deep down know it to be the truth for a long time I have always been an advocate of expressing your emotions and if anybody knows me I think most of my friends say I do my best and I'm just I've always been very naturally emotionally in tune and did that mean I cried a lot when I was a little kid you freaking bet but (laughs) when I wasn't crying no (laughs) I'm kidding long story short though I've always been a massive advocate about expressing your emotions but as I've aged I have become increasingly more aware that this ability to express emotions it's already suppressed within our society but it is heavily 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 suppressed within our men and I think it is the root to a lot of problems What I want to talk about before I get into this interview today is I've seen a couple different videos that I thought truly, truly put into words what I had been knowing and experiencing because I've been in a lot of situations where I have watched guys just physically be unable to express what's going on. And I've watched almost this breakdown within their eyes and their demeanor, their external demeanor because they weren't able to open up and express what was going on. And in some cases, because they were never able to learn how to process their emotions. I talked about this in the second episode, I believe, where potentially the first, eh, I'm losing track. Long story short, I talked a lot about when referencing that book, Don't Forget Your Crown, that discussed how we raise young men and young women differently. So by the time they're in relationships, because of the lack of 
amongst other things, but a factor in failed relationships discuss the lack of understanding emotions in men. So I'd been thinking about this for a while and I looked at it more from a relationship standpoint, which I still believe to be true. But over the years, I've also been exposed to this idea in even more educational ways and they seem to really make sense of all these different things happening. So one video that stuck out to me that I actually saw in class or for class, I was, you know, pandemic, I watched it in my bed, but what I saw in class was actually a TED talk and it began like this. I'll talk about three words today, three words that are a phrase that have become one of the most culturally destructive uh, mandates in this culture. Now, if we could change these words, we would change the world. But in order to rewire and reframe these words, you need some kind of laboratory. You need some kind of delivery system to make us practical. So I'm going to take my three words and I'm going to dump them into the world of sports. Why sports? Well, think about the role that sports plays in the globe and in America. Sports will engage more individuals, more families, more communities in a shared activity than any cultural activity, organization, or religion in America. It has become the secular religion of this society. And there's a transmission of values, the transmission of this phrase that does tremendous amounts of, of uh, destruction. Second reason, sports, historically, sports have always been a metaphor for social change. Until recently, when we've got moved into this win-at-all-cost kind of mentality, sports have always been a way to integra integrate in immigrants into American culture. Every ethnic group that's ever been ghettoized, sports has created a way out of that ghetto. When you talk about civil rights, when you talk about women's rights, when you talk about human rights, you think of the role that sports and athletics have helped to play to bring them into the political and mainstream consciousness. I want to take my redefined uh, phrase and have sports move that out. So what is the phrase? I want to say it's the three scariest words that every man receives in his lifetime. And the phrase is, to be a man. And I'd ask every man listening to this, you think about the context when you were young and someone told you to be a man. It was almost always in the context of, stop acting that way. Stop with the tears, stop with the emotions. Don't be some kind of mama's boy, some kind of sissy. Be a man. And what young boys are taught at a very early age, that in order to be a man, they've got to separate their hearts from their heads. Boys are taught that to have emotions, to show them, to share them, to emote them. Somehow those things are considered signs of masculine failure. So we have this massive repression of the very thing that makes us human, makes us contributors in this world. If you do not recognize the voice of that impassioned speaker, it is Joe Ehrman, who is a highly decorated individual. He was a former NFL defensive lineman, and following this, upon getting into coaching, he ended up being named the most important coach in America by Parade Magazine. Currently, he not only is an author and an advocate, but he also is the president of Inside Out Initiatives. This is an organization that, according to their website, is an evidence-based systems-level approach that inspires and catalyzes communities to transform the current interscholastic sports culture to one that values the human growth and development of student-athletes. Far past this, again, this man is heavily decorated, and this TED Talk came out in 2014, but today, he works with a lot of the information still. 
So this TED Talk, it goes on to give a ton of valuable information that I'm now about to break down that also was very eye-opening for me. I think the first interesting topic is the concept of be a man and how that phrase ultimately can be so, so, so toxic to young boys because it affects what happens within their future and especially within the way that it's presented. He explains, as you heard, that this often happens in situations where young boys are showing emotion. That's often when that term is presented. And more or less, it begins this massive paradox that they essentially cannot do the one thing that allows them to be human. I found this TED Talk very fascinating because of especially what he goes on to explain. He goes on to explain how this inability to show emotions, and not only inability, but this coupled with an intense level of policing, he describes it as, when one does show emotions that identifies as male, how it is detrimental to our society as a whole. He goes on to explain, after starting off his TED Talk, that alexithymia is defined as the inability to put emotions and feelings into words and that the american psychological association explains that 80 percent of men suffer from some form of alexithymia he goes on then to take this fact and explain it is inherently responsible for a ton of other societal problems because as he says if you cannot understand your own emotions you will never be able to understand others, which sets the tone for a ton of other problems moving forward. He puts up this chart, and I'll probably post it to my Instagram, but he talks about how it starts very young with socialization, that, for instance, young boy, where in whatever context it occurs, begins crying and is immediately told to be a man, to stop crying, that immediately it is explained to them and understood to them that that type of behavior isn't okay. From there, he talks about how it moves into different social mandates. And from there, you get, as he discussed, alexithymia, this inability to express emotions. Now, what happens when we don't express our emotions? And I've talked about this a lot in other podcasts, but the emotions still exist within your body. They don't just evaporate because you chose to pretend that they weren't there. They manifest into other things. And he explains it, and I also agree with this, that it goes into what he describes as covert depression. In a sense, the way I see it, it's almost like your body won't release these emotions and it doesn't get to express them and process them. So ultimately, it's upset and creates types of depression and also other different forms of mental health ailments because it's unprocessed grief. From there, it moves into isolation, he explains, which ultimately will lead to substance abuse of any form. He doesn't just coin it being related to alcohol or drugs. He explains this accompanies this idea that One of the worst feelings a guy can have is that they do not measure up to what it takes to be a man. And an easy way to suppress this and to numb this is through substance abuse. And it could be in any capacity. He even said dating a ton of different girls, all different things like that. And finally, the chart moves into, it's a cyclical chart too. It's like a circular chart to help imagine it. And The funny thing is, before I get to this next part, is that in the interview later, me and Anthony are actually (laughs) going to talk about this idea of cycles. And it actually came before me talking about this video. So interesting. From there, he talks about how it moves into violence. And he says, violence is nothing but unprocessed grief. 
And I found that very, very, very intriguing. Because again, it's as if you're suppressing these emotions and they have to come out in some capacity. And unfortunately, I venture to say, especially when we suppress heavily for so long, it comes out a lot harsher and a lot more intense because it's been pushed for so long. I think of it, Newton's third law, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. If you're shoving something down for so long with so much force, that force has to have that same reaction, but in the opposite. He talks about that and then talks about violence towards all these different situations within life and how it's really all stemming from never processing and allowing emotions within the first place. Another point he makes about violence is this idea that violence is often, especially violence towards women, is the need for power and control. And I find it thought-provoking in the area that, again, he relates it to if you feel like you don't measure up as a man, there's this possibility that you're going to seek something to feel in control. You probably don't feel in control if you feel like you aren't what you're meant to be. And you're powerless. So in a sense, powerless, you want to seize control. And he explains that this feeds into other forms of violence, especially against women. He ends the TED Talk talking about that we need to redefine masculinity. And he relates this to it doesn't just have to be masculinity. This should be, in a sense, the two core traits or two core components that women and men and people in general, no matter what you identify as, no matter who you are, is that masculinity is defined by relationships, which he relates as just caring about people and having them care about you, and cause, which is making the world a better place. And being that he is massive within the coaching industry, explains that if a team is realistically no more than a set of relationships for a cause, that within the sports community and within, especially when we're coaching young boys, that that's the most ideal situation to begin reteaching a different form of masculinity. So I, A, found this TED Talk absolutely fascinating. It brought up so many thoughts in my brain that everything just started to click. And for a long time prior to that, I had been open about talking about how I really like when people express their emotions. And I've been aware that men don't, but this put in perspective, or at least men aren't encouraged to. And this TED Talk put into perspective the root of a lot of the problems. I think sometimes we try to look at how do we fix what has happened now, try to, in a sense, put a band-aid on consequences, when in reality, I think a lot of stuff is way deeper rooted within how we're raised from a young age and different factors like that. So that TED Talk itself is one massive reason I'm a huge advocate for encouraging men to express their emotions and that I love hearing about it and try to encourage my friends to talk about it, even though I do completely understand that it's difficult. And as I was sitting and thinking about this, what came into my mind was a package that I saw several years back from NBC that started like this. When you begin to interview them at 12 or 13, they tell you about a lot of love that they have for their friendships. They talk about wanting that kind of intimacy with other boys. I think friends are the things that kept me composed in the hardest times that I had. As boys got older, they began to tell a very different story. They'll say things like, uh, no homo in response to a question about intimate friendships. That question to them has now become a gay question rather than a question about just their friendships, which is how they heard it when they were 13 or 14. No homo was used a lot among 
my straight friends. Because of we don't want to seem as if we're being uh, gay towards each other or saying gay terms. That reveals the culture because the fact they're equating friendship with gayness is a part of American culture of masculinity. Somehow to be a boy, to be grow into a man, you have to be emotionless. Before we get into this, what I do want to say is within that audio, you can hear that a lot of what is spoken about is this idea that young men and other people as well, but will equate any type of close friendship and any type of vulnerability and intimacy. They will refer to it as gay or homosexual, believing that those words have a negative connotation. And first off, going to start by saying that is absolutely not the case. Obviously, we love the LGBTQ plus community here at Trust Me, I'm a Novice. I love all of you. Thank you to anybody that's listening. But in addition to that, that that term is being used and it is being used wrongfully. It should never be used like that. But it is being used to try and explain more from an experience perspective on like what people have heard and what is said and what occurs within the culture, even though it is blatantly wrong. So me and Anthony will lightly discuss it within our interview. And I just want to say, I apologize if there is any form of insensitivity. We're trying to be really careful and just use it from an educational standpoint of what's experienced. It is nowhere in line with what we believe. But just wanted to say, yes, shout out to LGBTQ plus community. Love you. And bear with us as we try to get through this sensitive information. And I appreciate you listening and taking the time and being understanding. You could hear a voice in the intro that I just played, but this package goes on to interview a developmental psychologist and professor at New York University, Niobe Way. And she goes on to explain throughout this entire package this epidemic in young men of loneliness. And I found it interesting because we had talked about loneliness being so harmful in the discussion about the concept of not needing anybody that we had a couple weeks back. So it seems to be, A, wrapping everything together. I find it interesting that different things result in the same conclusions. And I feel that makes it even more noteworthy and even more of importance. To carry on with what she said in this package, and this package was released in 2018, I'm almost surprised it hasn't been shared as much as I found it to be informative. But that being said, this package goes on to talk about social isolation in young men and talking about how boys will have closer friendships, more open friendships from a young age, but right around the time they hit 13 or 14, they're basically expected to start detaching from their emotions. And she interviews different boys that explain this phenomenon happening. Because she is a developmental psychologist, she basically will follow people throughout their lives and learn. So she was one for over 30 years, so she would talk to these boys and consistently find that while they were open and talked about what they wanted out of their friendships at a young age, once they started hitting around junior high age was when the dynamics started changing drastically. And from then on, she believes that this contributes even more to this idea of isolation, which is inherently higher linked to episodes of violence, depression, and unfortunately, the fact that there are higher rates of taking one's own life in young men. The package added some interesting statistics as well, explaining that in 2000, 20% of Americans reported feeling lonely. And in 2010, 10 years later, 37% of male Americans reported feeling lonely. 
So that's a, a massive spike. You see a 17% jump. And while I think there are other factors that are pushing into this phenomenon, I think technology is involved. But at the same time, she says a quote that stood out to me and explains that we're expecting young men to, quote, enter a culture that tells them to disconnect from the very things they need most to thrive. I loved that quote. And I loved that this package did a great job of explaining how it's beginning again and what it's leading to. It's a different look at the situation, but I found it especially fascinating that this woman followed these kids and noticed this repeated pattern over and over again, which seems to stem into way greater world issues down the line. The package wraps up on a happy note, explaining that despite this, some of these young men are pushing to still have open conversations with their friends, be honest, listen, express their emotions. But in the meantime, it was something that raised so much awareness, and I remember seeing it maybe two years ago, I can't even remember now, but it stuck out to me. Then I coupled this with the TED Talk that I've seen and my own experiences, and more and more I keep coming to the same conclusion that somehow as a society, and especially on an individual basis because change starts with you, we need to allow men to be emotional in whatever capacity that means, as long as it's obviously safe, whether it's supporting it, whether it is allowing it, whether it's acknowledging it more as a norm, it is imperative that it's something we all begin to do. And it started, it is a movement, but I think movements take time. And not only this, that movements have to happen at an individual basis. And it's something that seems to have a lot deeper root and massive consequences, but Obviously, glass half full, that is my vibe. They're preventable. It's going to take a lot of change, but I think if we keep allowing this and if each person does their part, we could make steady social change and honestly just create a happier environment for our friends and ourselves. So (laughs) this is a long-winded way of me saying express your emotions and allow everybody else to also express their emotions. But That being said, I identify as a woman. So I know I can only comment so much on this because I've never experienced it. And because of that, I decided to have one of my best friends, love that I can say that, one of my best friends on the show today. And he's going to sit down and we're going to break down this concept from a more individualistic experience and what we've lived out and noticed and observed. We are going to take a quick break, but when I come back, I am sitting down with my great friend, Anthony Pasquale. Stay tuned. Today on the show, I am so excited to have another guest that is another dear friend of mine. This guest is a senior at the University of Illinois and actually has two podcasts of his own. He is the host of Cubs Corner and also Oski Talk down at the University of Illinois. 
Welcome, my dear friend, Anthony Pasquale. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to uh, to join the show. I can't wait. Yeah, Anthony, you're the first guy in the podcast. How are you feeling about it? You know, it's usually opposite in terms of most things in the business world. So I think the fact that you have it going the other way is, is a very good thing. Dang, that's actually, that's pretty insightful. Uh, <laughs> fun fact, me and Anthony have been friends for about four years. We both lived in the same house for four years. We basically, for school, had a scholarship that we lived in a co-ed house. So I got to live with Anthony for four years. And over those four years, we had a lot of really good conversations. I would say especially this past year. And Anthony is somebody that is emotionally intelligent And I always found that very fascinating about him because I don't stumble upon a ton of different guys, at least at this age I've noticed, that seem to have a good grasp on a lot of things going on with themselves and with others. So I thought Anthony would be the perfect fit, given what we were talking about today, to come on and give his input on a couple different topics surrounding men expressing their emotions. So first to start off, Anthony, I'm always curious and actually I'm surprised I've never asked you this. So it's kind of fun to do this on the podcast. What are your earliest memories of learning about emotions or your earliest memories of experiencing them and whether it's being taught or socialized? Do you remember any instances growing up where you were either supported or discouraged or anything like that? Oh, wow. Um, I did not expect have to dig back in the in the memory this early <laughs> um, <laughs> let me think nothing immediately comes to mind about being discouraged and I feel like that might be why I have a pretty good grasp on it all now I think you and I both know a lot of guys especially at a young age get told like the brush it off rub some dirt on it type of thing instead of like really feeling things and I really can't remember any specific time that that happened to me If I want to go into, like, support for the way I feel about things, I think a lot of times you have people involved in sports and things like that, and they don't really have that support with feelings. It's more support with, like, physical stuff. So I feel like a lot of my emotional support and learning how to recognize emotions and care for other people and be around other people came from doing theater, which was a very different community than that of like the athlete community, if that makes sense. So yeah. I think that would be probably where a lot of the support or at least learning to support came from. But I think from a young age, never being really discouraged about it is is huge. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. Basically what I had referenced earlier, and I sent Anthony the video too. There's this really interesting TED Talk, more or less that this coach talked about how years and years and years we keep raising young boys and immediately shutting down their emotions. And it's interesting because when I think about sports, it's a situation where you have a lot of high emotions going at all times, where it's funny that kids are experiencing these intense emotions and they're often not supported or validated. And I think because of that, if you start young with anything, by the time you get older, you're going to keep acting in a way that you think you're supposed to. So that that makes sense that through theater, you think that's where you learned a lot more about that. I also feel that's probably why a lot of athletes and, and men in general turn to anger in situations too, probably. Definitely. 
Definitely. I always said, and I can't, I've heard this now a couple different times. This is something I've always been fascinated with. So I've done different types of research, but what do you think of the, con- sources. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have sources, but what do you think about the concept? I've heard a lot that men are basically taught they're allowed to experience two emotions and it's either happiness or anger. What do you think about that? Society-wise, I feel like those are the two accepted ones for whatever reason. I'm not, and you know this because you know me, I'm not a big angry person at all. Like It just is one of those emotions that doesn't happen very often. I don't know. I don't know why those are the two that are kind of set aside for men. I'm glad happiness is one of them, at least. But (laughs) I, I feel like anger being expected is just not healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think I always found it fascinating because I've noticed that it seems to be that there is this if you're only allowed to express one emotion that is the thing is two emotions aren't negative. I think there's also a massive push even societally way outside of just gender identities that sadness is bad. Anger is bad. Anything that isn't happy or on a scale of enjoyable is considered bad. And I do find it interesting. Yeah, a lot of guys will jump to anger. And I don't know about you. How would you say, what have you seen within your friends or even just people that you know, guys in general? I venture to say that guys for so long seem to not express any emotions. But when they do, it's kind of an explosion of some type. Uh, Okay, interesting. I feel like, well, first of all, I feel like most, of my friends or like my really close friends are similar to me in the fact that they also do show emotion more than like normal. Yeah. But if I step like out of my super tight circle and think about it, I could think of a ton of friends that I have that it's just like, man, they don't, they don't show emotion at all. And I guess I could also think of a few times where when they do, it's just completely blown up. So I, I don't think that that's totally far off the thing. Yeah, that was something that I've kind of experienced. And I will say, as I'm saying that to you, it's true. Anthony, you're very calm. And I have noticed I spent a lot of time with Anthony and his friends while down at school. I remember a couple times being a little bit blown back, but also just genuinely enjoying your guys' company because you guys all seem to talk a lot more about emotions and more deeper level things. And I always liked that about you guys. Do you think you guys gravitated towards each other because you just had those shared interests or... Were there moments of support that you realized that that was something that was okay to talk about within your group of friends? Well, the funny answer is we gravitated toward each other because there was a flood in the building and we were forced to live with each other. (laughs) Um, And then just throughout that whole process, we just kind of figured out that this was like, you know, the college group of friends meant for us, I guess. If that flood never happened, I don't know if we all end up meeting and liking each other the same way that we did. And and there's a few, I think, in the group where emotions don't really get talked about that much, but I still say that there's more than most guy friend groups for sure. Yeah. And so going off of that, what do you think is the upside or the outcome of being able to have friends that you can openly talk about emotions with, especially when they identify as male? Well I think it's huge for for mental health. I was actually talking to my roommate about this the other day and his was more because of like a health issue 
But some people can feel stress on them, like they carry it on a certain part of their body. And I feel like that's the same with anger. And both of those things, you can walk around carrying it and it can just make your days heavier. Your, I mean, just really cloud your head. But if you have people that you can talk about emotions and things like that with and not worry about getting called gay or people saying like, shut up, like things like that, it's such a freeing thing for mental health, which makes everything else easier. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, like I said, I'm used to you being just very calm and laid back. And I think that is connected to your ability to constantly just say what you're feeling. Me and Anthony text all the time, back and forth, just like, this is what's going on. This is how I feel about it. And honestly, it's one of my favorite things about our relationship, but it really is so relieving because I agree. When I know I get overwhelmed about something, I also, like you said, with your friend that was talking, I will feel it within my body. So I was always so perplexed that guys aren't necessarily, all of them aren't necessarily taught to release that type of feeling because that will send me into so many other problems if I just let it sit instead of just calling and talking about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so another thing that I found interesting and I wanted to see your opinion on it was that. A couple different things. One that I find interesting as far as the mental health thing and as far as a couple of things that I've been reading was the concept of how this inability to talk about emotions has affected all different types of relationships within our lives. Specifically, I had been more reading about romantic situations, but different things that I've at least witnessed and I've read about as well is the idea that sometimes when guys find a girlfriend, it opens up their world so much because it's often, for some, one of the first people that can actually help them learn about emotions and know what they're expressing and why. And the other side of that coin is this one I know I actually have read an article about, but that very often it's found that guys go through breakups a lot harder. It's a lot more difficult on them for the most part. What do you think about that concept? Yeah, I... I agree with that, especially the second part of it. I I mean, I've been through a breakup before, but I don't think I handled it the way most guys would. I talked to pretty much anybody that would listen about it and just got different perspectives and like, this is what happened in my last relationship and things like that. And eventually I just kind of stopped wanting to talk about it, stopped caring about it. And then that's kind of how I got over it. But I mean, I've had friends that didn't tell that they broke up with their significant other and then you're just checking in like oh how's so-and-so and they're like oh we broke up so like I don't think I'm in the majority of how most guys handle it but I think that's why it's so much harder for guys to get over relationships because they won't talk about it and they're essentially I don't want to say afraid because I don't think they're scared to talk about it but They've been told not to talk about it by society. They don't, they aren't supposed to show their feelings. They're not supposed to cry. So why would they talk about something that might make them cry? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then can you go back to the, the first part of what you said? I said, I talked about the idea that for some guys, a girlfriend is the first time they're really able to be vulnerable and learn how to open up about their emotions, often through that person. Oh, yeah. I I agree with that, too. I think 
once you get someone that you fully trust like that and start becoming emotional and vulnerable, it could lead to that in a lot of different relationships. And I also think it's sort of like twofold on like the flip side of it too, because I think a lot of girls at like this day and age are so used to getting into relationships with guys and just kind of trying to break them out of that like emotional shell where that if they got somebody who isn't afraid to show their emotions, it almost might be a turnoff in a way. Like you think about girls with guys that don't text them back and they're like, oh, I just want them to text me back. But then they get into a relationship or a talking stage with someone who texts all the time. They're like, yeah, I, I don't like this. It's almost like the chase, but with trying to get guys to show emotion sometimes. Yeah, I think that's totally right. I feel like, I don't know about you, I think we're at this point in our society that we're starting this kind of massive shift because I've come to realize that it seems to me that we are now living, at least our generation is a culture of healing, but I think it's all just starting. So we're seeing more people go to therapy. We're seeing the increase in a lot of social movements for social justice. And I think we're seeing a push towards at least trying now to encourage different types of emotions and validating those things. But I agree with you. I think if something is so traditional, like you said, girls are so used to guys not opening up about their emotions. I think also if you have something within you that seeks to prove yourself, the easiest way to keep proving yourself is if a guy won't open up to you. So I think it can, like you said, create more of a chase dynamic in there. I would be interested to talk to people to see Do they find it more attractive or not? Because I wonder too, and this is coming to my mind now, because I've been in relationships where people don't open up about their emotions at all. And now more recently, I've come in contact with more guys that are starting to open up and I find that more attractive, but I'm curious if that's because I've experienced the other side of it. And I now realize that I think the likelihood of a relationship being successful, if a guy knows nothing about his emotions, isn't as high as a relationship where a guy does. But I do agree with you because it's, again, these traditions and what we're used to. And is everybody feeling the way that I am? Or is that a new way that people are starting to perceive things? It's kind of a toss up. I'm not sure just yet. Yeah, I I agree. I hope it's the first one because I think that would bode <laughs> bode well for me. But at at the end of the day, it's probably like because I feel like we're coming to a point in society where people are starting to you know get behind men in showing their emotions. Like it's not always going to be the close yourself off, be tough. And I think as like the older generation that kind of threw that upon men is getting older and this younger, more progressive generation is coming into power, I guess you could say that should kind of shift. So then relationship wise, expecting men to be closed off will also kind of shift. I feel like, yeah. so I think that's something that we can look forward to. Yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I think another thing that I was thinking about yesterday while I was kind of pondering this whole topic was also one other avenue of this whole conversation with whether or not guys are open right away. I'm curious because I do think at the same time, sometimes because people aren't conditioned to be open, that when guys first start opening up, that it's kind of all at once. It's not like a slow and steady, oh yeah, like I feel like this. It's more like, 
kind of like we said earlier with an explosion, but in a relationship concept, more maybe that people overdo it from the jump, which naturally also, again, though, can be kind of a turnoff. But I think that's with any gender, just solely based on how just kind of the primary principles of attraction work. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah, I would say I agree with that. Yeah, I'm curious if that's something that's happened because I can think back to a couple people I've dated that I was validating emotions early on and saying how important it was. But I think too, it's like I said, if we're going to have a shift that keeps happening, it's going to take practice. It's going to feel uncomfortable because I think too, at first, if you think about typical gender roles, you get this idea that perhaps guys don't show emotion because they think of it as they're supposed to protect a girl in a relationship. So how can they show vulnerability if they're supposed to be protective? The reverse of that is, again, then it might be odd, especially for girls that are, like you said, used to that, because they might see it as a sign of weakness when in reality it's not, but it is something that we've been conditioned to view it as. Yeah, I hope it doesn't turn, like as we like progressively get into it, where men hopefully are more accepted for showing their emotions and are more encouraged to do it. I hope it doesn't completely flip where it turns into like girls' emotions being suppressed. Like I hope that doesn't go full circle. Yeah, that that's a good point. And I will say one of the funniest things that I've come to notice, and I've talked about this before with a couple friends that I think sometimes when things start to change in society, we 180 all the time. Like we go to the complete other end where it's almost like we have to meet in the middle somewhere. So and sometimes, though, at the same time, I've noticed within myself that it'll take me meeting two extremes to understand the balance between them. Yeah, and I hope we don't have to get to that other extreme. I hope we get to settle kind of in, in the middle where everybody's showing their emotions is accepted. And I think we will get there, but. Just off the thing you were just saying, I think a complete switch would also not be good. Yeah, because it would be yeah one more extreme. I totally understand what you are saying. That is true. Wow. I find this whole concept interesting because I don't often talk about it, but it seems like whenever I bring it up that people do have a lot to say on it. I remember one time, this funny story, I was in Mexico and I was just talking to a ton of people about this idea, a ton of guys that were from, I want to say Mexico City and shout out to them. They're awesome. I remember I started talking about this and a couple of them were like, wait, what? And they like sat me down. They were like, I want to hear what you have to say about this because we never get told that we're supposed to show our emotions. Why are you so big of an advocate about that? And a, that was hilarious and so awesome that that was the reaction to it. But I do think I can say it all that I want, but I think this has to be the beginning of a ton of bigger conversations. And I think it can't just be me. I think it has to start obviously young, but I think one of the biggest things is that it has to be talked about more and more within male friend groups because you look to your peers usually for support and especially peers that are your own gender most of the time. So I think it's kind of the beginning of an even bigger conversation. And how do we go about this change? I don't know. But I would say it starts with simply just validating emotions and lightly talking about them more and more, kind of easing into it. What do you think? Yeah, I think the fact that that group of people from Mexico City was so fascinated by it is the problem. Yeah. Like that should be normal, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I do think starting in friend groups, especially like our age and above is a good way to fix it for men and young men like around our age. But like 
in my friend group, for the most part, you know, hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's really hard to get further than surface level. And I think that's because so many men have that like shield over their emotions that they're not supposed to show them. So I think you're right. It has to start young. So people know at a young age that it's okay. I mean, emotions are basically just feelings, right? Yeah. And they're uh, one of the synonyms are feelings. You're never supposed to apologize for how you feel. You're not True. supposed to hide how you feel. It's just how you feel. So the fact that that's been part of society that you're supposed to, for men supposed to hide how they feel or suppress or act differently because they feel a certain way is just kind of ridiculous because at the core, emotions are just feelings. So feel them, you know, like that's all there is to it. Yeah, like you said. And I think it's so funny that now, and a lot of, I guess, learning is unlearning, which is a funny concept. But yeah, I totally agree. I think it's wild that we have separated, and I've read this places too, that we've separated this idea that thinking is specific to men and feeling is specific to women. And I find that so hilarious because they're just two core components of being a human being. But somewhere in there, it got switched and not only switched, but taken to extremes. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like especially with a lot of the guys that I know, even my closest friends and family, honestly, is that because they've been suppressed so much to not feel emotions, they are terrible overthinkers. Interesting. Like they just, they just read into everything way too much. And I think it's compensating for not being able to feel. Yeah. So, that's, I've, I, I never that. thought about that until you just said it. But I'm not naming names for my privacy reasons. And I don't think they would want me to say that they're yeah. massive overthinkers. But like four to five come to my head right away of male people that think outrageously. because, And those are the same people that if, anybody else asked, they'd be like, oh, no, they don't show their emotions. Up. So yeah. that's interesting. That there's a lot going on. So one thing that I've learned a lot through learning more about emotional intelligence and spirituality kind of within that mind frame is that depression and anxiety are often manifestations of unprocessed emotion. And when I think about overthinking, overthinking and anxiety are often like best friends. Yeah, no, exactly. And so I don't, I mean, I don't have numbers in front of me, but I wouldn't be surprised if anxiety rates in men are up because of that. Quick trigger warning. I'm about to give a statistic on the more extreme versions of self-harm. So if you're sensitive to that, please skip forward by about 20 seconds. Thanks. Love you. Yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible. And one thing I do know, even though it's obviously a very sad statistic, is the rate at which men complete suicide is actually far higher than women, even though women have more attempts. Well, your answer for that, too, is the fact that they're not told to show their emotions. They're told to act in anger, act in violence. So too many emotions, too many emotions, boom, self-harm. Like that, that's the, the cycle. Yeah, wow, that does make sense. That is so sad, though. As we say this again, sorry to anybody that has had that experience before. Obviously, my heart goes out to you. 
I'm like stunned for a second. Yeah, you're completely right. Yeah, it all leads back to the same thing. Okay, so I'm going to slightly turn the tables. One question I'm curious of. You, well, I'll start by saying this. There is an interesting concept, and I've seen it a lot actually on TikTok, but this idea that obviously women are objectified. That's a given, unfortunately. But that there's, in a sense, two types of guys, and there are guys that will see women only for the prospects of relationships, whether it be actual boyfriend-girlfriend or just a sexual relationship. Whereas guys don't have girls that are friends, or if they do have female friends, there's one goal in mind, and that is to, quote, get with her. Whereas you, for instance, and I, this is where I think it is a correlation, that you have a really good handle on how you feel about things and how to talk about those things, and you have a lot of close relationships with girls and their friendships. So how do you think that all factors in together? Do you think that is what helps those friendships, and do you think that's why they've built over time? That's interesting. Well, yeah, I would say to start off, I probably have like six or seven like girl best friends. And that's pretty rare, I feel like, for guys, especially college guys, yeah, to have. And I don't know if I could really pinpoint a reason why. But I would say, yeah, the, the motive is not to go get with them. It's just people that I get along with well. And I think they aren't threatened by me in a way that they need to protect themselves from somebody trying to get with them. It's just two people being friends. And I think my, I guess, understanding of people and willingness to talk about things is different from a lot of people our age. And they see that and they like that and want to be friends with people like that. And I feel like that's probably how it, it works. I mean, you could probably technically answer this better than me if I flipped it onto you and said, what makes me a good friend? Oh, I like the flip. Classic flip. Like, why does it work? Yeah, why does it work? That's a good point. I guess probably everything you just said. Yeah. You're just, you're so readily available to talk about things. And yeah, no judgment. It's always just listening and then, okay, well, this is what I think. And I will say you have so much insight to what guys are like. I think I've learned so much about how guys think just from being friends with you because you're also highly observant. So it might not even be something that you think, but you often can come to me with situations and be like, well, actually, I think it's this angle. And often I've noticed that that is right. I've learned a lot from you, I think, just within that. And I guess now to ask you another question, what is valuable about having close female friendships? I mean, similar to you, you can kind of get into female heads also, like the way you just said it on the flip side, that's definitely something that's there. I don't know how I would explain it, but I guess the biggest thing is because there's not a ton of men, boys, however you want to say, in my life that I can go to and talk about emotional things with, I've got a ton of girls that I can do it with. And the fact that I'm at least able to talk about it is probably why I'm so calm all the time. Whereas if you get a guy who has guy friends, but they don't talk about emotions and doesn't have close girlfriends, who's he going to talk to him about? Which all leads back into the cycle of like suppressing them and then thinking and all of that. So I think that's the biggest advantage. People that will always listen and talk and the maternal aspect of girls, they always care about you in that way too. 
which is helpful in situations, especially when you're upset. So I think bits and pieces of all three of those things are the biggest benefit. All right. Yeah, I always think it's, it is so interesting thinking about how you do have a slightly different perspective on all of this. Whereas, yeah, I think about guys that just have guy friends and I, it's, and I don't mean this in a bad way because I think all of this is a massive learning experience, but I do think it's funny meeting guys that are only friends with guys and there's such a different often personality that comes along with them. I, I just, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's kind of funny. You get like the, the bro vibes, which again, isn't necessarily inherently bad, but it's very different. And sometimes I think it's worth noting. And what do you think about this concept that, and I've noticed this before, that guys that are surrounded by groups of other guys that also exhibit that kind of high level of, I would call it toxic masculinity in the sense of so much emotional suppression. I venture to say that when they're in those groups, and especially when they don't have girls to confide in, if they don't have other male friends that talk about anything pertaining to emotions, that those cycles are amplified by so much. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the bigger the group gets, the more amplified it gets because nobody wants to be the, the one emotional one in the group and especially if it's like the toxic masculinity that we're saying it is that one emotional one will get tagged as you know the gay one yeah and a lot of straight guys don't want to be the gay one and like not that it's a bad thing but in that circle it is yeah so i feel like that's that's part of it and that's why everybody would suppress it and then just like fit in with that mold and then it just becomes more and more toxic I feel like so I would agree and I would also say that like the bigger those groups get and like the first thing that's coming to my mind now that I'm saying is like crack and the bigger that they get I think the worse it is yeah because then it becomes a culture and I think it just gets so validated if you see everybody else acting like this and especially if like you said if they're still attracting for instance girls or if they're still living their lives and being successful, I think a lot of times it's like, oh, so that is how I'm supposed to act. I mean, it seems normal. That's what everybody does. And yeah, like you said, it perpetuates. And I agree with what you're saying. Obviously, we love the LGBTQ plus community. It's so upsetting that the way guys will reinforce behavior that they deem, quote, feminine is by calling other guys gay. I think that's so stupid, A, because being gay is fantastic. And if you're gay, shout out, love you. And yet guys are afraid of being called that, but also that they'll use it amongst a million other terms to police guys and each other into acting certain ways that make them, in my opinion, less insecure because I see a lot of things as projections. So when I see guys make fun of other guys for being emotional, all I see is that guy is super uncomfortable with the concept of emotions and that's why they're upset quote-unquote or telling their friend not to act within that way yeah no I could see that totally I feel like yeah yeah I'm just trying to think about how I want to say this but I do agree I think and and the other thing is the ones that are like emotionally I don't want to say strong because it's not like they're emotionally weak but emotionally conscious don't care that much about getting pegged that way yeah whereas true. the people who are, are maybe just kind of starting to express their emotions a little bit and then they're the first time they do boom gay their go calls off 
Yeah, exactly. It's so easy to quickly get those fears of being made fun of validated when it's the first time you try it and you get shut down. Yeah, completely. Mm -hmm. Completely. I'm trying to think. I just had like a thought as you were saying all of this. Oh, here it is. I don't know. This is one thing I've kind of noticed, but I think it's funny because I've also watched, like you said, those guys often don't care about being made fun of ones that are emotionally conscious. And they often have a lot more female friends. And I've noticed they often, I've seen guys get more made fun of by the guys, but I'm convinced it's because those guys are very jealous because it seems to go against everything that they've learned. Because I've often noticed, and again, now we talked about how long, as far as relationships and attraction, how does it affect that? But a lot of guys that are emotionally in tune have a lot of female friends. And yet guys that exhibit those symptoms of hyper-masculinity believe that in order to get girls, I need to exhibit the most heightened forms of masculinity, which accompanies not talking about my feelings, not getting deep, not being in touch with my feminine side. So I'm convinced guys are jealous and also that guys that see other men that are emotionally conscious, I'm convinced it like shakes them to their very core because it's a clear exhibit of everything that they were taught not to do. And yet it seems to be successful when it comes to forming relationships with women. Yeah, it it depends what um where you determine success in yeah. those things too because if their goal is to quote get with girls what they're doing is probably working mm-hmm. but if the goal is relationship whether that be friend or romantic then the way they operate doesn't work and deep down that's the one everybody wants relationship yeah. and seeing it work for other people that are doing it the total opposite way of the way society essentially told you to do it can, I feel like, be jarring. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Wow. Okay, well, I was going to say, I'm going to probably then wrap up with one more question, but I love how insightful this conversation was. I feel like I'm saying things and you're helping me understand them a lot better, which is good. And yeah, very insightful. So I'm actually really glad. I did this interview on a whim, fun fact, but I think this went really well. I also feel like it helps for more girls like you to have an understanding of the fact that guys don't show their emotions and why and the cycle. Because I feel like now you're probably going to be a little bit more empathetic to one that maybe isn't showing their emotions or more appreciative to someone who is. So, like, while I agree 100%, it does start with guys and especially at a young age, but friend groups and all of that, I think girls being educated about it is not as important, but also important. I think you're completely right. And it's true. I think I'm assuming, oh, I'm educated, but that doesn't mean every other girl is. I totally agree. I think anybody listening that identifies as female I think it is important, and Anthony's completely right, that in those situations, if a guy's coming to you and opening up about something, and I talked about this in a previous podcast, that your reaction to somebody opening up to you about something, while it's maybe not inherently your fault, but it can deem how they move forward with that same topic from here on out. So if a guy comes up Mm -hmm. to you, yeah, if a guy comes up to you and is being emotional and you say something, I don't even know necessarily what you'd say, but you act weird about it, you're just kind of uncomfortable, you tell your friends about it, you gossip about it, that guy is going to be so hesitant in the future to open up again. So I definitely think if somebody comes to you, almost like, I don't want to say you got to treat it with kid gloves, because maybe that's the wrong form for it. But 
I think it's important to be really, really careful and cautious and validating if a guy opens up to you and to honestly keep promoting this idea because I think long term it will really help our society grow. I have been a little more active about posting things about guys being emotional, even if it's just like a repost on Instagram. But I completely agree with you. And even to start talking about if you find it attractive, why you think it's attractive. So people realize, hey, I can do something outside the perceived norm and it's actually more effective for my long-term, honestly, wellness. Yeah, no, I agree. I think if we want to get to the place where it can be totally normal for both sides of it to express their emotions, it takes both sides to get there. Yeah, takes two. I completely agree. Wow. Okay. Well, I was going to say, just to wrap up, I guess, to sum it all up, my question to you would be, what can people learn from you? And what have you learned from all these years opening up and being able to express your emotions? And if there's anything else that you want to add to this conversation? Oh, the famous journalist, last question. I would say, I mean, I'll just keep it super simple. Never apologize for the way you feel. Whether it's happy, sad, angry, you want to cry, you want to punch, whatever it is, don't apologize for it because we're all people, we're all made different, we're all made the same too. And at the end of the day, we all feel things. So don't apologize for feeling the way that you feel and don't be afraid to talk about it with somebody. And I hope that if you do, you get the proper reception and appreciation that you deserve. But no matter what, there's always somebody who will listen. If you can't find someone, Sammy or I will listen. And just do not be afraid to feel however it is that you feel. I love that. I think that's a beautiful wrap-up and outcome of this whole conversation. Dang. Yeah. Well, Anthony, thanks for coming on the show today. This went really well. I want this to be the beginning of a lot of conversations surrounding it because I do think that something like this is going to take time. But... I'm really glad to have you on the show today, and thank you for being so open. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'll come back whenever you want. All right. Sounds like a plan. Okay, well, I'm going to let you go. I'll probably call you later, let's be honest. Oh, funny thing. I have a friend that listens, and he's convinced the word is novice. I don't know how many times I have to tell him it's not novice, but that's funny. <laughs> Actually, he thinks, does, it, does the word, though, is it still the same word? Like, is it novice and novice he thinks is the same thing? Yeah, like he's just convinced it's pronounced Novus. That's so funny. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Whoever says that, hello, hope you're listening. Anthony, where can people follow you outside of these podcasts? Social media, I would say Instagram. I am Anthony Joe, J-O-333. And then on Twitter, I am Ant underscore Pasquale3. Those are probably the two best places. Okay, awesome. And obviously you can follow me at Trust Me, I'm a Novice on Instagram and Twitter and follow the podcast. There will be a new episode of Trust Me, I'm a Novice next Tuesday. I am your host, Sammy St. Ledger. Anthony, do you have anything else to add to this conversation today? I'll just plug really quick. If you're looking for a different type of podcast and want to do sports podcasts, like Sammy said, I have two, The Cubs Corner on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And Oski talk about Illinois sports also on Apple Podcast. But I'm Anthony Pasquale. Trust me, I'm a novice. Beautiful. You know what, too? Beautiful. I'll, you, you're beautiful. 